stopped, get him stopped. God and Moses both in a sidecar could not drive a sprint car with a thousand horsepower. I swear to God, he's done a double somersault backwards. My car will go past wide open. Uh, my 50,000 came in a Twinkie box. You know, I get my jollies off over looking at a nice car wash. You know, he's going to crash your shit, but he's still, he's still got great stories. Oh, they disappeared. Oh, I'm leading. <laughs> I'm leading. <laughs> you plated your old ball sack and you just freaking let it eat. It's all goddamn assholes and elbows. And if you ain't right, They'll send your ass to the rear. Hello, everyone, and welcome again to Open Red, the official podcast of the World of Outlaws. NOS Energy Drink Sprint Cars with you, as always, is myself, Rob Blount, alongside Nick Graziano, the PR god yes. of the World of Outlaws. Yeah, we've decided that is the title now because you can at least remember that. That's easy for me to yeah. remember. I forget your actual title. Ugh. You're so Every close with the first single part. Week. Yeah, I can get the PR part down. That part's <laughs> really easy. But PR God is what we will go with. And I like that. I agree. I mean, there was a point in time, man, I only did, what, 12 shows with Ross, maybe? But every week, Ross was reading off about three of your stories. So you had... That's like I the mean, silent partner in here still beforehand. If that math which I'm not very good at math. There's a reason why I'm in broadcasting. If that math holds up, uh, you were here for two years prior to prior to all that, I'd say three. You can't a see good it. There's chance. so much sweat on his head right now. Yeah, the, the gears are locking up big time. <laughs> you know that scene in wandavision on disney plus when he chews uh when vision chews gum and everything gets locked it up just... that feels like me trying to do math <laughs> uh but i'd say you're you're probably up to what a couple couple hundred article mentions on this show even before you even got on the show probably maybe that's why PR well, let's go God with it yeah fitting. let's go with it i like it uh this week we're finally gonna get cars back on the racetrack yes how excited are you? I'm super excited. We finally get to see you racing again. I mean, it's awesome. Don't get me wrong. We've got to see the late models, Extreme Series. They've had a good race. Uh, Chris Madden won the championship with them. Their last race at Modoc Raceway, the season finale, was fantastic yeah. for the uh, Drydeen Extreme Dirt Car Series for the late models. That yeah, was that's fun. Great. And they'll be back again. This The World of All Late Models will be back again this weekend. But we're here for sprint cars. That's right. We got wings in our cars. Yes. And we are back this weekend. Friday night, Volusia Speedway. Uh, Volusia, Volusia Speedway Park. Park. I almost went with the old name there. I can't believe it. I almost called it Volusia County Speedway, and that that was, I don't know why. Volusia Speedway Park, yep. Barberville, Florida. Uh, third race of the season, Friday night, Saturday night. The return for the first time in 38 years to East Bay Raceway Park uh, on the other side of the Panhandle. Um, it's Super excited for that. I think a lot of people are excited for that. Yes, it's gonna be a great weekend. Yes, I can't wait. It'll be fun. Is there any other news and notes, Nick? I mean, our schedule is out. Uh, we've had a few weeks off here. Is there any? Is there anything else we're missing? I guess if you didn't hear before, we we have a schedule. We have that <laughs> replacement for the West Coast Swing. Obviously, like we said, Volusia, East Bay. Uh, they will be heading back. Actually, they're for the rescheduled dates of Magnolia and Revolution, um, Cotton Bowl. They'll be hitting the Midwest for a little while. So we have a lot of fun doing all that. Um, but also, um, I like what, that you knew most of that, like off the top of your head. That was pretty good. That's why you're. The I've PR been writing god. it for so long that it's just there now. That's why you're the PR god. It's just yeah. It's just I just sleep with a schedule now <laughs> in my head. <laughs> I like it. Um, 
you know, a big topic entering, well, not entering, but over the last few weeks while we haven't had any racing, uh, has been the topic of invitations and Bristol Motor Speedway. And that'll actually allude us to to one of our guests today. We actually have two. Uh, one of them, uh, the, the first one that we're going to have on is uh, the race director of the World of Outlaws NOS Energy Drink Sprint Cars, Mr. Mike Hess. Uh, he'll be on with us. Hess uh, Trucks back. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, I like that. That was that was an inside joke that we that we've now brought to the outside. We were gonna we were thinking about doing that for his intro, but. We decided against it, but Nick just sang it instead. the The old Hess Truck theme song. That's a. a We're not gonna get sued for that, are we? I don't think so. That was less than eight seconds, so I think you're good. It wasn't that great either. (laughs) They'd probably be like, "We're not, we're not gonna sue this guy." It's it's bad enough that that's how he sang it. I liked it though, Nick. I appreciate it. But uh, yeah, so invitations in Bristol. Uh, Mike has he'll he'll be on uh, here in a few minutes. But um, Nick, who do we even have so far? With invites extended to them. Well, and when do they have to RSVP? And do they have to put that in the mail? Uh, yep, we're getting letters every day. Uh, they got a check if they want chicken or steak. Um, <laughs> no, do they uh, get a plus one or how many do they get? Uh, they get a few. I think uh, they get some pit passes here and there. Um, okay, but to, I'm sure to everybody's surprise, um, all of our full time guys will be there. So Donnie Shots will be there. Brad Sweet will be there. I know, shocker. <laughs> <laughs> um, Along with all them, we've got uh, some other guys who have RSVP'd and confirmed uh, that they'll be going to Bristol, such as Tyler Courtney, Corey Eliason, uh, Brent Marks, the Ian brother. Uh, sorry, the Ian, yeah, the Madsen brothers. Ian <laughs> <and> <laughs> uh, Brian Brown. Uh, who else do we have? I think I said Brent Marks already. Uh, Gio Selzy. Um, and yeah, I think that's. Oh, Paul McMahon. Uh, I know it was on that list as well. And Jack Hottenshield, Rico Abreu, um, still more uh, fun ones to come too. And we're, we're going to get into how the list of drivers who are receiving invites uh, was decided upon. You'll hear that coming up here shortly with Mike. Um, and also the reasoning for it. And I don't believe that the, the reason is what many people thought the reason was or have speculated uh, about what the reason was. And, and that was a large part of why we wanted to have Mike on was to just clear the air, uh, the airwaves a little bit uh, about the confusion of why we went to an invite-only process for this race. Right. I think we clear up a lot of what's going on with Bristol, why the invite, um, and what people can expect from it, really. Yeah. So with, with all that said, let's just get right into it. Our first guest on episode 212 of Open Red this week is race director Mike Hess. Please state the name or number. Joining us today on the Open Red podcast is the race director of the World of Outlaws NOS Energy Drink Sprint Cars, Mr. Mike Hess. Mike, how are you doing today? Great. How about you guys? Not too bad. Not Perfect. too bad. So we wanted to have you on to talk about... The really big event that's coming up really soon, uh, the, the the event at Bristol Motor Speedway uh, coming up in, in about a month and a half, um, and mainly because, as we've all seen on social media over the last couple of weeks, there's a lot of people annoyed about invitations, uh, and, and we thought we just go straight to the source, uh, which is you, and, and get the explanation of why the invitations are necessary for this event. Well, straight to the source would be 
higher up than me, but it comes down to about four of us putting lists together and making the invite. But um, when we visited, did a site visit, um, it was decided that we didn't want to open the gate all night long to have cars going in and out. So that left us with the infield for parking. And uh, that leaves 40-ish spots for each series that's going to race because we have the, the Northeast Super Dirt Series big block modifieds with us also. So uh, with two series and 80-some pit spots, uh, that leaves 40-ish apiece. Um, big blocks are having a few more. I think they're going to have 43. Uh, we opted for 40 uh, just, just so we didn't have to be scrunched in as tight. And uh, that way we can, when we get all the rigs in on Wednesday and Thursday, uh, no rigs should be going in and out to maybe make that hump in the track there or, or whatever may cause it. Uh, that was that was the first, one of the first reasons why we went invite only. Yeah, I've, I've worked a couple events at, at Bristol that had cars pitted outside of the racetrack, the uh, Short Track U.S. Nationals, uh, event for super late models, pro late models, uh, IMCA type modifieds and street stocks and four cylinders. And they only had late models pitted in the infield and every other division was outside. And every time they had to open the gate, it was like a 30 minute holdup before you would get cars on the racetrack for the next time. Cause you'd have to let divisions out and then divisions in and it's just, and then, you know, like we're, we're doing it in late may so the humidity's high and the rain chances are high and you're trying to to beat a rain shower that you know is coming but you have to hold up for the for the four cylinders come back in and it was just it slowed everything up a ton so i feel like that that reasoning makes plenty of sense there yeah i mean we've we've obviously ran other races where we've had to load in and out every race this just gets to be cumbersome and to have a nice efficient show that we could get done in a reasonable amount of time that's what we opted for and then when we're going to invite if we're only going to do 40 we didn't want to open it up uh if we're going to only have 40 we want to try to get the best 40 we can have does that make the in so was, invite process pretty simple so far then uh, our invite process was really simple on our end i mean um, myself anthony carini and johnny gibson uh, we just basically made lists and Carlton did also, and we kind of combined them and um, we went, I mean, it's just a points based and loyalty based list uh, guys that have been, you know, former platinum cars, they, they got the nod. Uh, and then when we exhausted all that, then we just basically went down the points list uh, from last year and, uh, you know, just started inviting. So so I That's think at that it, point, there's probably not going to be any like surprises where people are going to look at the list and go, oh my goodness, I didn't expect that person to get an invite. Um, there might be a couple. Um, you know, while we did it points-based, we also did some regional stuff to make, you know, so that way different parts of the country were represented and whatnot. But, you know, you just try to have the best you can and um, that way we can have a good show and Hopefully it goes off smooth and um, if it's well attended and whatnot, uh, Bristol wants to do it again. So we'll see where it goes. Right now, I know you went to that site visit. Um, aside from just 
figuring out the invite part, was there anything else that you took away from that that kind of prepares you for the race? Um, it prepared me that I had never been there. And when we turned down to go into the track, I was like, holy cow. <laughs> uh, you know, I'd never done that. And now I understand why, you know, when, if, if people drove down in there, when it's pavement, when there's no dirt, they would understand, holy cow, it's steep. I mean, then you add the element of slick dirt maybe and whatnot to try to get in and out. And yeah, we just opted for putting them all in at the beginning and and getting them all out at the end. And hopefully mother nature plays nice and we can do that. I almost had a camera case run me over once walking into, into that race. A camera case. Yeah. I was, you know, walking in with a, with a, a Pelican case on wheels and, forgot how for a second how steep it is and the case was pretty heavy and it started to want to get away from me and it tried to give my my foot a flat tire and I almost went took a tumble and that would have been pretty embarrassing <laughs> but yeah it's yeah it's so it's, you're not getting an invite to Bristol then I, I I guess not not definitely not to drive I could barely walk in the place but it's a it's a it's a wild place that a, a lot of people don't un- understand what what just that walk and, and drive into the place is like it is it's steep and it's crazy to think that it's not even as steep as it used to be. Um, no. So and they, they changed it up also, you know, the gate where you go in, like when the NASCAR haulers come in, they come in the gate and then take a left down the backstretch and go park when it's pavement. And then that's how they come out. Also, they come down the backstretch and get a run and make the ride up the hill uh, with dirt. Obviously it's probably not beneficial to do that. So they've made it to where they can, go straight in and out so hopefully that helps and and the joy of us being one of the last events is uh we're gonna have nascar there beforehand so if it's able to be done they should have it pretty well figured out by the time we get there now does bristol compared once the dirt's on compared to anything that you've been to before in any way or is its own getting me its own unique kind of track you know with the dirt on it I I haven't been to anything that compares. I'm sure there are tracks that do, maybe. But even with them taking banking out, it's still just, it's, I mean, it still looks big compared to a normal half mile. And I'm sure Johnny will measure it and whatnot and already has. But it just, even if they say it's 19 degree banking, it's like, man, it's still got a long straightaway to get to that 19 degrees and you just never lift. So how do you think this is good? I'm trying to think of the right way to frame that question as I got about halfway through it. How do you think this is going to end up comparing to other fast half miles that we do already go to? Like, uh, for example, Eldora or, you know, even though Williams Grove is a much tighter corner radius, a place like Williams Grove that has really long straightaways. How do you think it's going to compare to places like that? I would compare it to Williams Grove, and if you took the straightaways and moved them away from each other a little bit farther, then you'd have Bristol hmm. um, and, and a lot of bank. But, uh, you know, I think the key for the race there is depending on how the track is. If the track is heavy at all, uh, we're, you know, we're going to get what we get. If we can get it slicked off and maybe move around a little bit, I think we can have a decent race. Uh, a lot of people have had safety concerns uh, since this race was announced. When you went for your site visit, um, 
what did you notice from a race director standpoint on on that point of view? Um, the safety aspect is it's probably going to be faster than anything we race on. Uh, and when you wreck, it's going to be, it's going to be a wreck. You know, it's not probably not going to be any Tommy tip overs there. Uh, so that aspect of the speed and whatnot and wrecking is probably going to be a pretty decent wreck. Uh, safety wise, track wise. I mean, it's built for NASCAR. So the, all the fencing and everything is, you know, not going to move and, it's going to do its job. So there's no worries there. It's just the, the speed aspect. And, you know, if somebody loses a wheel going into the corner, it's not going to end. It's not going to, you know, they're probably not going to come out of it easily. So that would be the biggest safety aspect of that. Other than the racetrack wise, it, I mean, it's built to hold a 2,800 pound stock car or whatever they weigh from getting out of it. So, a 1400 pound sprint car as it shouldn't get through anything. Uh, it, it might put something over the fence parts wise. I don't think with the banking, you could get a whole car up there, um, but never say never. So that's why they're leaving the first tower of any rows empty in the grandstands also. All right. Uh, I know the tower's pretty high up there uh, for Bristol. Did you get to check it out? Uh, is it beneficial for you to be up that high and be able to kind of see everything? From that bird's I took eye view, a picture, I took a picture from in the tower up there, and it just doesn't do it justice <laughs> of how far up it is. Um, when you're in the tower there, it, that's the smallest cars have looked to me on any racetrack. It's, it's, it's got to be every bit of five stories up or whatever it is. Um, but yeah, it, it's up there, and you're going to be looking at the top of a lot of wings compared to the side of cars. And stuff on the backstretch, I'm not going to lie, I'm going to have to get my binoculars out to maybe see what's going on on the backstretch. Um, if something stops back there. So that's a challenge. Yes, for sure. Uh, Johnny's been there before and he said, yeah, it's tough to call a race there because you're looking at the top of the wings a lot of times. So you have to learn what car's what. Uh one thing that I was thinking about as we've been talking here is you, you've been race director for the series, what, six or seven years now, Mike? Uh, this will be year six So in September. You've been doing it for, for a handful of years now. Um, the biggest series that, that races on dirt with some of the biggest events just in racing in the country. And this is already shaping up to, to be another one of those highly anticipated, really, really big events. From your perspective, do you, do you ever get to sit back and think like how cool it is that you're doing what you're doing at some of these really large events? Oh, uh, sometimes you might think of it, but I just try to block that out. Um, you know, it's my job and I just got to come and be fair. So big events, you know, it's, if, once you stand up in front of the drivers at a Kings Royal and a Knoxville Nationals, you know, you just everything else is it doesn't shape up you know so i'm i just try to stay even keel and it is what it is and it's a race whether it pays 150,000 to win or 1500 to win it's, it's still a race and everybody's there racing you know trying to do their 110 percent or more worth so that's what i try to do for every event um 
going into Bristol, I'll treat it the same way. And, you know, we go to a lot of new tracks that we look at, just try to look it over and try to devise a plan to make the show run smooth and easy for us and the competitors, you know, which goes back to loading in and out. Loading in and out would be very tough on the competitors as well as the fans in the stands of the downtime and those guys with the race cars having to push their stuff in and out, in and out. Um, so that's, that's the thinking of we're going to put 40 in the infield and that's what we're going to race with. So yeah, big events are big events. Uh, small events are not small events with us. They're still big events to everybody else. Uh, you know, they're, you know, any world outlaw race is a big event to, the track they're coming to more than likely so you just deal with them as you go and try to do the best you can and sometimes you hit it sometimes you don't and you learn and go on now before we get to bristol uh also we had a little bit of a shakeup in the schedule um i know some, probably a lot of people don't really realize what goes into just trying to get that make that work once we had to cancel all the california stuff and then um do all these reschedules we've got for the next few weeks i know you're spoke with Carlton, kind of part of that craziness. Can you kind of talk about what goes into making that new schedule? <laughs> uh, Carlton does a lot of that. He'll he'll call and kind of clue me in and ask my advice, but he's still a series director and, and does the scheduling. So, um, yeah, I'm, I know he was busy on the phone, and then they had the, the winter storm come through there, and he was busy with that, and – all this is going on. So he had a hectic few days and, you know, he'll call me, he'll call John, he'll call people and lean on them just to get their advice. But in the end, he, he's the one that gets it done more than likely. So I can't answer a lot on that. Which race are you looking forward to the most coming up? The next one. I, <laughs> I like them all. I, I mean, honestly, I don't, you know, there's very few tracks that I don't enjoy going to and seeing the people that I've come to know that maybe work for the track or some fans that live in the area that I've been friends with my whole life or whatever, or I've met through racing, you know, you know, people all over the country and it's just nice to get to, you know, try to go visit them and see them and put on a race and, and then head to the next one. It's a perfect answer, Mike. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your, uh, your morning here to uh, chat with us and clear some things up. Uh, clear up some concern I think that that people had over the whole invite process and why it was even happening in the first place so you know like I said we we really appreciate that that you took the time to do that and uh we'll hear you on the radio and at, at the, this weekend I guess Lucy yeah Bay. yeah I, I hope it cleared it up I saw so many fans comments and, and it's like yeah there's a safety aspect but the first reasoning was the space in the infield uh, we chose not to want to open the gate all night long. If you're going to do it, you might as well do it with the best 40 you can get. That's what we try to do. So, But, yeah, you'll hear me on the radio, and hopefully you don't record me. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Mike Hess, as always. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. All right. You guys, too, have a good day. So there you have it. Uh, the reasoning for the invites at Bristol Motor Speedway for the Bristol Throwdown it's not because we just wanted or we didn't want people to show up that we felt weren't worthy of going or that I should say I shouldn't say we but the the powers that be didn't 
want people showing up that they felt didn't have a, a reason to be there. It's simply to keep the show moving smoothly. Yeah, it's uh, keep it moving, keep it safe, and have a good time. Have a great race that we all want. I mean, yeah. who's going, who's invited, um, I'm pretty sure who everybody wanted to see anyway. Yeah, so. I agree. I mean, like, like I said, with you and Mike in the middle of there, I, I've covered multiple events with cars parking in, in the, the outside pits, uh, outside of turns three and four there, when the track was, you know, it's normal concrete self, and these cars have starters and roll in on their own, and it still takes forever. And doing that with cars that need to be pushed off and, and a completely different surface, and we don't really know how that whole system is going to be on opening the gate and, and, and all of that, you may as well just make it the easiest way possible for yourselves and, and get rid of those extra variables. That's exactly. what they're doing. Yeah. Basically, what we're saying is, uh, drivers, it's going to be ballsy. Oh, yeah. It's Bristol. And you're going to need some big balls to run at Bristol Motor Speedway and, and do it fast. And speaking <laughs> of your balls, it's a great time to talk about our friends at Manscaped, Nick. Yeah. I think that's perfect. Perfect for Bristol, too. Absolutely. Uh, as always, use... Open red twenty as your promo code at manscaped.com to get twenty percent off plus free shipping. Uh, you can use it on just about anything that's on the website, but we would recommend their lawnmower three trimmer. It's the best trimmer on the market. And Nick, have you tried it yet? Because it is really great. Uh, you can use it in the shower because it's waterproof. Mm. It also has an LED light on it, so you can see what you're doing. Because sometimes, let's be honest. You get inside that bathtub and you, you pull the curtain closed and you lose like half of your lighting in your bathroom. So you're going to need some help. And it's got a nice looking flashlight on it that works really well. Uh, they also have the Weed Whacker ear and nose hair trimmer, which is also waterproof and has a 9,000 RPM motor. That's perfect. You want to go scuba diving, but like, oh, I got this annoying hair. Good. Yeah, because if it's just, if the water's moving it around... They don't tickle your nose a little bit. Yeah, you can't have that. You don't want that. No. That's obnoxious. Uh, and also, 79% of partners polled by Manscaped admit that long nose hair is a major turnoff. So you're going to want to get rid of it using the Weed Whacker Ear in Nose Hair Trimmer. Oh, hold on. Let me. I got to say that again. I got to take the notes here. 79% of partners polled said it is a major turnoff. All right. I got it. All right. All right I got it. Got it. Got and they it. probably won't tell you that to your face. So, I mean, just... Take their anonymous word for it here and clean yourself up using the Weed Whacker from Manscaped. And you can get it at manscaped.com 20% off using promo code OPENRED20. By the way, that's promo code OPENRED20 at manscaped.com. Because St. Patrick's Day is coming up, Nick, and there is some gold at the end of your rainbow with Manscaped. Perfect. Now... Let's move on to our second guest. Perfect segue. Nick, because we wanted to offer everyone a two for one on this one. Yeah. Yep. We got, and you don't even need a promo code for that. No, this is, this is free. This is for you. Just keep listening. This is it, baby. We're living it. Yeah. We got, uh, Doug old, the editor, of sprint car and midget magazine, uh, coming on talking his stories of how journalism has changed in the motorsports industry. And he's got a lot to say about East Bay. He's raced there himself. And which was perfect, which is why we wanted to have him on because he's raced there himself. He's seen plenty of sprint car action at East Bay throughout the years. He's participated in that action at East Bay throughout the years. 
what better person to have talk about the World of Outlaws return to East Bay Raceway Park than Doug Ald, the editor of Sprint Car and Midget Magazine. And with us here is Doug Ald, uh, editor of Sprint Car and Midget Magazine. Doug, how's it going? Good, doing well. Thanks for coming on. Appreciate it. Uh, now, how long have you been in the business for? Oh, well, we're probably 26, 27 years at this point as far as making a living. My dad was a modified racer in the Northeast before I grew up and just grew up at the racetrack, but been doing it, you know, make a living for probably 26, 27 years, something like that. And in that time, how have you seen the world of motorsports journalism change? Uh, well, obviously, you know, a lot's changed for printed media versus, you know, the internet wasn't even around until AOL came out in 1993. <laughs> and, uh, you know, a lot's changed in the meantime, and but it's constantly, you know, it's in constant flux, it's in constant change. Um, these days, I'm not sure where we're going to ultimately end up with, uh, you know, how people are going to get information. Um, so it, it's kind of interesting to watch this all play out. All right. And how's the magazine business been for motorsports? I know that's obviously something that's kind of always in flux and changing as well, but Sprint Car and Midget Magazine seems to be doing pretty good. So you'll have a good following. Yeah. I mean, you hear places that, you know, print is dead and all this, but nobody's told our subscribers that. <laughs> that's the odd part is, we you know, we still have all our subscribers as to speed sport and, and, uh, you know, we, we, we do very well with it and, uh, you know, just, it's just kind of weird to battle more perception than anything, but there's still, you know, tons of people that still read books and still read magazines and still want to get their, their news that way. And, uh, and, and read about drivers and tracks and, and world of outlaws and everything else that way. Well, I'm looking at your website right now. There's a, a, a quite a, a good amount of articles on, on your website. How do you decide what goes on the website and what goes into the magazine and how much crossover is there? Um, there's a bit of crossover. There's almost, there's basically a different staff and you got Jacob Seelman and Adam, um, um, uh, that do the great job with the website. Uh, it's kind of a different group than what we've got in the magazine. Um, and there, there ends up being quite a bit of crossover. We do try to keep up on what we're doing and what they're doing so that we don't step on each other too much. But, you know, a lot of what goes on the website is stuff that's immediate or, you know, kind of quick results things or, uh, they're definitely shorter pieces, whereas we'll do, especially in Sprint Car Midget, we'll do sometimes five and 6,000 word pieces, you know, as opposed to the website where it's only like six or 800. So kind of very different type of reading. How did you get to this point in your career? I know you said you, you grew up in the Northeast watching racing up there, but what was mm -hmm. your, what's your story in, in, in your path to get to where you are right now with Sprint Car Midget magazine? Um, you know, I moved down to Florida and part of that was to get into something, you know, get into racing and there was a ton of racing down there and no media. So I started with a radio show and, uh, we had people on from across the country, NASCAR drivers, world outlaw drivers, all forms of short track racing. And, uh, but it was all short track, even the NASCAR drivers we had on, we didn't talk about what they did at the NASCAR events. We talked about their background in short track racing. And kind of grew from there. Got to be a stringer with the Tampa Tribune. I started announcing at uh, several racetracks down there, working with um, East Bay Raceway and at the time Sunshine Speedway and DeSoto Speedway and and kind of the whole racing world down there, uh, doing freelance writing. Eventually, Open Wheel Magazine moved down, and uh, I'd hoped to get a position working for Dick Bergen. And instead, uh, there was kind of a change up in in the regime and 
ended up becoming editor of Open Wheel. Uh, from there, when Open Wheel was was folded a few years later, when there was a buyout for the publishing company uh, by a different publishing company, and uh, launched Sprint Car Midget. And uh, we were in our 20th year in 2017. Ended up selling the brand to uh, Turn Three Media, which is you know it's the guys that also own Speed Sports. So uh, that's where we're at right now. Very cool. Um, in that time, obviously racing produces a lot of great stories and in, in that time frame, I'm sure you've covered a lot. Is there one that sticks out most to you that you uh, enjoyed writing the most or being able to tell the most? Um, actually, I, I, I don't know that there is one. I hate to be that guy. That, uh, it seems like I should have a good answer to that. Uh, we've done a lot of magazines over 23 years now between open wheel and obviously all these years of spring car and midget. Um, I don't know that there's one that, that stands out. I know there are a couple, uh, maybe even by other writers that I enjoyed reading. Um, um, I, I can't really think of any one in particular, though. I hate to be that guy and not have a great answer for you, but I don't. <laughs> so who's been someone that you've really enjoyed working with and covering over the years then? Um, as far as racers go, I would say, you know, some of them are guys you don't, you don't expect, you know, Steve Kincher, obviously this guy never really, I don't think ever really enjoyed working with media, but was one of the best guys to work with and always anything you needed. Anytime you wanted an interview, anytime you wanted to work with him, Steve was a guy, always an interesting guy, Sammy Swindell, obviously, uh, Sammy gets a weird rap for not being a good interview. And Sammy's a fantastic interview. Um, if you ask him a question that matters, he'll give you a, a very detailed answer. Um, there's, a there's been a number of guys uh, over the years, I guess, that um, that stand out. Those two guys in particular, Donnie Schatz, another guy that uh, was very misunderstood early on. Um, he didn't do well with crowds. You know, he just really wasn't that kind of a guy. He wasn't the kind of guy that went out and 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 did well dealing with big groups of people. And, and so he got kind of a bad rap as being standoffish. And really, it was just he was very uncomfortable. And then when he got with... Um, with Tony Stewart racing and they put him through a program. He absolutely loved the program, um, became one of the best interviews out there. And just a guy who does really well dealing with people. And, um, you know, I guess those guys would stand out at the top. I'm sure there's some guys that I'm leaving out, but those three right at the top of my head. Now, am I correct in hearing that you race sprint cars yourself for a little bit? Yeah, I did. Uh, Ran down. Actually, uh, you, you guys are going to be at East Bay. Uh, I, I ran at East Bay. It was my home track at Volusia. Um, didn't run much up here in Ohio, but about five and a half years I did race uh, wings by cars. Very cool. And like you just said, we're going to be going back to East Bay, which is really cool. Um, uh, I guess, was it a surprise to you to hear that the Outlaws are going back there, uh, just having that history with that track? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, it's one of those things where, you know, we deal with deadlines with the magazine and, and you guys are going to be there on the 6th and there are deadlines on the 7th. So <laughs> other than, if, if that wasn't the case, I'd be in the car right now driving down there. But great to see that, um, especially with that track, uh, we'll be going away in about three years, uh, which is just really saddened to hear. And uh, uh, glad that the Outlaws are going to go back. Uh, outlaws were there about five years, you know, years ago, and, and great to see them go back at least one more time. I'd love to see them go back in the next couple of years too, depending on what happens. As someone who, as you said, basically ad- adopted East Bay as your home racetrack, you mentioned that it's really sad and that the track is going to be going away in the next couple of years. Uh, just el- elaborate a-, a little bit on 
<clears throat> excuse me, what that was like to hear that news when, when that was announced? Um, it kind of caught me off guard because where it's at, it actually sits next to a giant <laughs> kind of toxic gypsum pile. It's a, uh, a company that's dumped uh, some some waste there for years, and it didn't seem like anything could be built out there. Uh, they weren't going to build houses or anything else. So, you know, kind of hoped that that would protect the racetrack, if anything. And instead, uh, that giant pile that sits off the backstretch of the track is going to be expanded in the next uh, uh, three or four years from now, and and just it's going to bury the track, unfortunately. And yeah, I was kind of hoping that 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 giant gypsum pile would save the track instead that's what's actually going to swallow it up so it it was very uh, it was it was hard to hear that i have a lot of attachment to to east bay and there's so much history there and um it, it's going to be sad to see that track go away i've heard the atmosphere there is something a lot of people should try get the experience if they can can you kind of describe what it's like there the i'm sorry the what uh the atmosphere there Oh, the atmosphere. The track is a, it's a unique track. It's um, it's a small track. It's a third mile around the outside wall. Uh, it's very, very racy. Uh, if you go back historically, there was a great camping section. And, you know, for years, you know, the drivers would tell you there were guys, you know, people who would camp there, and they'd kind of have little wars to see who could attract the best drivers. Um, their barbecues, suddenly they'd have steak and peppers, and this guy would have you know, something to try to top him, and that guy would have something to top him. So there's always been a, a real vibrant camping section there, and there's always been a uh, uh, just a great lineup of drivers, and it's a small track, big racing. It's also, um, for drivers who haven't been there, you know, as someone who has raced there, it's, it's a unique surface. Uh, it's about two or 300 yards from the bay, uh, from the ocean, from Tampa Bay. And that'll affect the track throughout the night. So when you start racing there, you learn pretty quickly. You check the, the tide charts and see when the tide's coming in or the tide's going out. And that'll affect what the track does during the night. And uh, it's, it will sometimes, depending on when the tide comes in during the night, the track will actually get wet during the future. And um, during some of the historic features years ago, there used to be uh, some nights during the Winter Nationals and during Saturday night where all of a sudden there'd be a little lake that would form in turn one. But um, they've got a little <laughs> bit of irrigation, <laughs> better irrigation these days, so you don't get that. But it's definitely one of the factors when you race there uh, is uh, the, the water level is about a foot under the surface. So depending on if the tide comes in or goes out, it'll affect the racetrack throughout the night. So what do you think we're going to see this weekend uh, when the World of Outlaws return to East Bay for the first time in 38 years? Who do you think the normal track conditions, I guess, would, would play into the hands of? And, and who are you expecting to see do well uh, this weekend? Well, I mean, there, there was a, you know, All-Stars were there a while back, and you saw who ended up on top there. It wouldn't surprise me to see, you know, Donnie out front. Uh, it that. It's a bowling, so the guys who run well on bowlings will, will run well there. Um, it's hard to tell. Still a little too early in the season to see who's going to shine just yet. Um, but it's usually, as long as the track is prepared well, which they usually do a pretty good job down there, um, it's it's about a lap and you're in lap traffic. Uh, it's very rare that you watch a spin car race at East Bay and it's not too wide, if not three wide. So... You know, it's it's very different race than what you'd see in Eldora or Knoxville or one of the big, uh, big ovals. It, it's definitely bullring racing, and it's always exciting there. For sure, I'm 
I'm even more excited to see it now. Yeah, me too. <laughs> cool. Well, hey, Doug, we appreciate it. Thanks for coming on. It was uh, great to hear all the stories and everything. Thank you. Oh, no, a pleasure. Uh, anytime we're on with you guys, you do a good job with Open Red. And, uh, again, always a pleasure. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you, Doug. Appreciate it. Big thanks again to Doug Ald, the editor of Sprint Car Midget Magazine, for taking the time out of his day to chat with us here, Nick, and just talk sprint car racing and talk East Bay and talk a little bit about his life and his story and how he's gotten to, to where he is leading the leading the way with one of the really great publications that, that covers sprint car racing independently. Yeah, it's great. Um, they have a lot of really cool stories in there. Um, and it's really cool to hear his stories about East Bay, too. Like, there's so mm-hmm. much I didn't even realize about that track that uh, even more excited to see it now. Yeah, I mean, like, when we go to Volusia, we often hear about how the humidity level or, or and, the, and the dew point in the air affects the horsepower output that the, the engines have and how the... The wind, obviously, anywhere we go affects sprint car racing with with the wings and everything. But I didn't expect the tide, yes, to change the track. That's incredible. Yeah, the, it's a whole new element to even consider and watch. Like I just want to watch the ocean now and see if it's like, oh, is that changing the track now? Look, look where right? it is. Look where it is. I mean, racing just—it always has that outside stereotype that it's just a bunch of rednecks watching cars go in circles and making their cars go fast, go in circles, but. When you think about everything that goes into it, these people are mad scientists. Oh yeah, you get you have to be to be fast to be good. It's incredible. I'm very very much looking forward to watching our two races this weekend. Yeah, it's gonna be a lot of fun back in Florida again. Obviously, starting off at Volusia again, kind of get that third race that we missed because of rain. Mm-hmm. Get that back, and like I said before, get the pretzel there. You won't be disappointed. Take Nick's word for it. Get the pretzel if you're going to Volusia Speedway Park this weekend on Friday night. If you're not, make sure that you are tuned in to Dirt Vision. Uh, Get your Fast Pass. The Platinum Fast Pass, of course, is available for $299 for the year. The monthly Fast Pass is available for $39. Build every single month. There's so much racing action that you get with your Dirt Vision Fast Pass. In addition to the World of Outlaws NOS Energy Drink Sprint Cars, you also get the World of Outlaws Morton Building's Late Models, which, by the way, are also resuming their season this weekend on Saturday at Smoky Mountain Raceway in uh, Maryville? Maryville, Tennessee. Maryville, Tennessee. I got it there. Uh, and in addition to that, we just wrapped up the Dryden Extreme Dirt Car Series. Uh, that's also available with your Fast Pass when that series resumes later on this this fall. Uh, the Dirt Car Summer Nationals for the late models and modifieds. The Super Dirt Car Series joins the Fast Pass this year. Don't even get me started on our weekly tracks. Oh, Knoxville, Knoxville Raceway, Attica, Husets, Jacksonville. Jacksonville, Williams Grove, racing from Australia at Perth Motorplex and Quinana Beach. Um, I love saying it the way the, the way they say it. I try to do it every time. There's just so much racing action available on Dirt Vision uh, with your Fast Passes, so be sure that if you can't get to any of the tracks that we have coming up, like Volusia Speedway Park on Friday and East Bay Raceway Park on Saturday, that you have your Dirt Vision Fast Pass, then you won't have to miss a lap. Then you'll be all good to go. And if you have the annual Platinum Fast Pass, you get the Knoxville Nationals included with that. How did I forget that part now? I know, that's so big. It is the biggest part of it. It's the best part. Don't even have to pay anything extra if you get the Platinum Fast Pass for the Knoxville Nationals. Major savings with that. So make sure you get at least one of those packages, and we'll have you with every single lap of action uh, as we move forward and get this season back going because we've got 
91 races left, Nick? Yeah, just about, you know, just a few 90-something races. Plenty of racing action. Plenty of bang for your buck with the greatest show on dirt. Uh, speaking of a great show, I thought this one was pretty good, Nick. It was pretty fun. I enjoyed it. Learned a lot. This is a good learn learning show right here. Nick, tell the people where they can follow you. You can follow me at Nick Raziano on Twitter. You can follow myself at Rob Blount on Twitter, B-L-O-U-N-T. I think that wraps us up. And the next time you hear from us, hopefully we'll be breaking down a race. Oh, yeah. Oh, man, I can't wait now. You just got me really excited. <laughs> you should see the goosebumps on his arms, ladies and gentlemen. With that, we are out of here. We'll catch you in about a week's time. Thank you again for tuning in to Open Red, the official podcast of the World of Outlaws, Nostalgia Drink Sprint Cars. Bye-bye. Hashtag Open Red.